Ah, yes, it's the return of the Amitel Like a TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Episode number two of this uh, podcast, just getting it up off the ground, and you can listen to this podcast when it goes up on Spotify, uh, Apple, and Google Podcasts, including uh, Anchor.com. First order of business I want to get into is Serena Williams. Now, for those of you who aren't tennis fans and or who do not care about the sport of tennis or Serena Williams or aren't around the sport. Serena Williams played in yet another Grand Slam U.S. Open women's singles final. She went up against 20-year-old Japanese woman Naomi Osaka, who beat Serena in um, who beat Serena in two sets, I believe. And it was and there was this big controversy about it because Serena got called for three violations, one of which was the chair umpire, Carlos Ramos, who officiated the match, called a violation on her because her coach was coaching from her box. She had Both competitors have a box where their coaches and their family and friends, in Serena's case, her husband... And in Naomi Osaka's case, her mother sit, and that's where um, Serena's coach was sitting. And he was coaching her. You could clearly see it. Um, go up on YouTube, and you can pull it up. Uh, Serena Williams, U.S. Open 2018. Um... You could clearly see that he was coaching, which those of you who are not familiar with tennis and its rules and regulations and violations, coaching in the sport of tennis is illegal. Why? I have no idea if that's an argument for another day. So, she got docked three violations, one of which was the coaching violation. The second was for breaking her racket, which the game went on, the match went on, excuse me, and she got frustrated because she was losing during the, throughout the entire match, and she was frustrated and very annoyed at Carlos Ramos for accusing her, in her mind, of cheating. And she went off to say, and you can hear it when you go watch the video, you could hear her say, I would rather lose than cheat. She said, I just want she said, I just want to let you know that she'd rather lose than cheat. And Serena would not let it go throughout the not that she needs to, I'm gonna get to that in a little bit. But she was very annoyed 
at Carlos Ramos for that. And it continued on in her frustration with him and with the way she was playing in the match build up to the point where it 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 was either it was either her racket or it was Ramos's neck, to be quite honest with you. Um so what happened is she ended up smashing her racket on the ground, which all tennis players do. And that was the second violation. And Serena, who if you saw the match was already annoyed, already frustrated with herself and the way she was playing and with Ramos, excuse me. She, and you look at the video again, at your own discretion, and you she was visibly upset. She started crying. She had that, it was that, you, you've all been there. You had that crying strain in your voice where your voice, like that. When you, when whether if you were a little kid or now, but she had that tone on her voice. And she was saying how a lot of men have done a lot worse and have gotten away with it. Now, let's hold on. Serena is right. Men like Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, just a few tennis players from today's game. And John McEnroe back 30 years ago. Yes, they did do things a lot worse. And they didn't get penalized for it. But in this case, with this umpire, players like Rafael Nadal, just to bring one as an example, have done the same thing that Serena has done. Broken a racket. And Ramos, who around the tennis world has been known for being a stickler for rules. Men, women, black, white, Hispanic, doesn't matter. So that's what she's wrong on that. Because with this particular umpire, he had a history of being a nitpick with the rules. And not letting the match play itself out and sticking his nose in the match. And I'm going to get to him a little bit later on. Now, Serena's right. There's a double standard between men and women. But when this when it comes to this umpire in specific, that goes all out the window. It goes all out the window. And... The third violation came when Ramos had enough because Serena had gone on five games later when it was at 3-4 and and kept giving him an earful. And Ramos, who should have said, Serena, be quiet, you know, that's enough. One more word out of you and that's it. He let her go on and on and on and on. And on, and on, and on, and still, and 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 then penalize her for it until 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 she until it was the last straw with her, and he didn't say anything. He's like, "Yep, that's it." 
and uh, had her forfeit a game, and that was the end of the tennis match. Now, real quick, Serena should know the rules about the coaching because the coach later admitted in, 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 when he got interviewed by ESPN after the match, he admitted he was coaching. So Serena should know the rules and should tell a coach to to let's not get me in trouble here. You know, this umpire is very tit for tat. You know, can we lay off on the coaching? So she should know the rules. That's item number one. Number two, her and her constituency, whether it be her coach, you know, her sister, her close friends in the tennis world, her trainer, whoever, should tell her, hey, Serena, such and such and such is a, is officiating your match today. We all know how how much of a stickler he is for rules. And how how much a pain how much a pain in the in, in the behind he can be, you know. So watch yourself. Same thing in baseball. You know whether it's little league, high school, middle school, college, minor leagues, even up to MLB. You know managers come out exchange lineup cards. You know they'll come to their team and say you know before they take you know ten minutes before they take the field they'll say hey guys. Angel Hernandez is um, is behind home plate tonight. You you know how he is with his strike zone, and you know and you know how tit for tack and ha, and ha, and he isn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. You know how he is. Proceed with caution. Watch yourself. That is what Serena's team should have did before last Saturday's match. And I didn't want to bring this up last Saturday, my first episode, because. First episode, I wanted to get myself out there on the air, and you know, let's you know, the NFL season is just starting back up again day before, so I'd do that. But we'll get to the NFL a little bit later on. But this Serena thing has been on my mind for for a week now. But back to my point, Serena should know the rules. And the and the, for the people like Chris Russo. Who th- on SiriusXM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, and others who think Serena was out of line, her behavior was bad. They have a decent argument. Serena has had a history of when things don't go her way, she can have a chip on her shoulder and be a little abrasive. But I'm going to tell you why she reacted the way she did. For those of you who do not know, Serena Williams arguably is one of, is if not the greatest tennis player, women's tennis player of this gen- of of this generation. Now, granted, it's a bit of an asterisk next to it because her competition, you know, isn't all that great. But still, Serena, one of the one of the best to ever do it. She grew up from Compton, off the streets of Compton in, in California. Her her family moved to um, Florida. Family moved. Her family moved from Florida. She was at a young age. And she, when she first came into tennis professionally, 
It was October of 1995. And as you know, sports like tennis and golf are white-collar country club type sports. They're not like baseball. You know, you can stick in a ball in the alleyway or to your little baseball field and play. It's not like that. The sandlot. It's not like that. It's not like football where you you know you get you get a ball you know five on five you know as long as you know where the end zone is and you got a decent field you're good. It's not like basketball. All you need is a ball and a hoop to throw it through, and there you go. Whether alleyway. Black court, hardtop in your driveway, in a gym, doesn't matter. Soccer, I mean, same thing. Tennis and golf, a little different. They're white-collar, country-club-type sports. And the country-club-type sport and the people who... A, can afford, and B, are in a lots of country clubs in America, are white folks. I give it to you straight, got to tell like T.I. is. Title of my show, I got to live by the title. You know, that's not me being racially biased or, or you know, no, it's just the way it is. Are there black folks who are, who are members of country clubs? Yes. But are they the majority? No. And from the moment she turned pro back in 95, she has been spat on by the entire tennis world who has hated her from 95 on. They made fun of her and her sister. They tried to get a rise out of each other by pinning them up against one another, creating a robbery, so there's tension between them. They, because back then, back in the uh, late, mid-late 90s, they wore beads in their hair, and they would fall out whenever they would play. And they would taunt her, and her opponents would taunt her for wearing beads in her hair. And, and everything else. You know? And Serena and Venus, her sister, her older sister, remembers that. And will something that they will carry with them till the day they die. And it's a fair argument to say that those examples I gave you the reason why Serena is the way she is. It's the reason why Serena is so great as a tennis player. It's the reason why Serena Williams is so great as a human being with philanthropy work. And she's the reason why she is on the top of the tennis world and as a whole and women's tennis. Women's tennis would be irrelevant if Serena Williams 
was not in it. I just get that on the table. The reason why why women's tennis is relevant in 2018 is because Serena Williams is playing it. The day that Serena Williams retires and there is no big star that has that Michael Jordan, Aaron Rodgers, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, Tiger Woods type of, oh my gosh, what the heck am I watching type of feel to him, women's tennis will be dead. Serena Williams is 36, going to be 37 to 26 of this month. The day that she retires, women's tennis is going to have a hard time finding who's going to be a poster girl of their sport. But anyway, that's off the beaten path. She is tied with Steffi Graf for the most consecutive weeks by a number one female tennis player. She knows how important her success is to her family, to her friends, that little daughter she has. And most importantly, she knows how important her success means to women, the African-American community, and black women. She knows that. She values that. And when she sees someone like a referee who no one's never heard the name of, Carlos Ramos, Ramos, whatever his name is, threaten her character like that about being a so-called cheater when people made fun of her in the mid-late 90s. That's something that's going to that that's going to that's going to bite her a little bit. That's something that she is going to take a huge issue with, which is the reason why she has such I don't want to say a temper she She's she's like a mad dog. She's got that killer instinct in her. You know, like Tiger Woods back when he was in his prime. That Jordan instinct. Got that killer instinct in him. You know? Isn't afraid to talk trash, you know? Not afraid to bark a little bit and has the ability to step it up and back it up. That's what she has. So, that's the reason why I think she reacted that way. On to two people who let's be honest, need to be called out and need to be destroyed. Carlos Ramos. For you, sir, to inject yourself in a 2018 U.S. Open Women's Singles Tennis Final is a disgrace. They charge... That tennis match is the only... Grand Slam tennis match in the United States of America. It's in Flushing, Queens, and New York City. Those tickets are not cheap, okay? So the, the, the real tennis fan 
is sitting up at the upper deck watching this. The other seats, that's for, again, people who who are in Serena and Osaka's inner circle and the celebrities who think it's a big deal to go in there and drink champagne and, hey, look at me, I'm watching Serena. No, 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 no. Those are expensive tickets. They charge you an arm and a leg and have to put up with the New York Tri-State area traffic, parking, parking passes, hot food, and all the garbage that you'd put up with going to any other sporting event, not just tennis. Football, football, football is the worst one. Basketball, baseball, all of them. They charge you lots of money to go see the Hall of Fame caliber player play. Bottom line, you don't go there to watch a ref who, again, we've never heard of, Carlos Ramos, to inject himself into a tennis match when it's not needed. We see it all the time in baseball. The umpire feels it. I brought up Angel Hernandez as an example. Feels the need to inject himself in the game where it has no business being. Instead of him be qu- being quiet, minding his business, calling balls and strikes. No, no, no. We'll inject ourselves into the game. We'll, 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 to, to a point where it will eff- affect the outcome. And then we'll wonder why, why, the, why you know, the Bryce Harpers of the world get mad and, 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 and try to be ethical about it and keeping themselves from cussing you out. So their so their alternative option is to break a baseball bat, or to th- or to throw and slam down the helmet. And then they get and then and, and then these same umpires got the nerve to sit up here and throw them out the game. Same thing with Ramos. I mean, I know students should know the rule, but gee whiz, it's a tennis match. They they pay good money to watch a to watch history being made and to watch Serena possibly win a U.S. Open championship, which she has made a living out of her entire career. And they don't come to see you inject yourself in a game and to make it seem like that you're bigger than the event and bigger than Serena Williams and say, well, she slammed a racket and I'll give them a violation. Really? Really. Situations like that, good umpiring and good officiating is no way to let things go. I mean, so when, when you saw it a few years ago, 2016, Steph Curry and LeBron James going at it. Well, if you, if you want a referees in Game Five and Game Six of the 2016 NBA Finals, what are you going to do? Get give. Uh, what are you going to do, give Steph Curry and LeBron James technicals? No, you let it go. You don't police themselves. You let it, you let it, you don't make, you make sure it doesn't get out of hand, but you lay low. You you let it play itself out. Because at the end of the day, the reason why he has a job is because Serena Williams plays the sport of tennis. They don't come Charge arm and, arm and a leg for parking, tickets, alcohol money, everything, whole nine yards. Charge you lots of money in all the sports to watch the great athletes play. And the reason why the people do it is because they love sports and they love watching greatness happen. Because they know good and well Serena Williams will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. 
They don't come and sit up here and watch him try to be cute and 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 inject himself into a tennis match. I mean, I gee, what that really bothers me when these officials feel the need to inject themselves when it isn't needed. Get your fat nose out of the tennis match. Shut up, mind your business. Call the foot faults and the double faults and in and out calls. Sit there in your little hot chair. Be quiet. Officiate. And, and, and leave us alone. And, it's, and then the wonders why Serena, you know, acts, acts a little erratic and, and, and slams rackets and, and says, you're never going to ref one of my matches again and calls him and starts calling him a thief and everything else. What do you expect when 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 people feel like they're getting attacked and feeling that you are injecting themselves into their craft? She's sitting up here trying to make history, trying to win yet another championship, and she can't do it because you can't keep your fat nose out of the tennis match. Now on to this. Did anybody see this cartoon done of of last Saturday's events? This cartoon was done for the Melbourne that's in Australia, which is which is where the Australian Open, the first tennis Grand Slam final of the year, is played. It's played. Every year, mid-January, in between, probably say, you probably say between the wild card weekend of the NFL to about the conference championship game, or check that the divisional round to about the Pro Bowl. That's basically when the Australian Open takes place. This cartoonist. Mark Knight. Make sure to get his name out there to let everyone know in our little corner of the world this guy is a zero, a complete loser. Mark Knight for the Melbourne Herald Sun who wrote this disgusting, awful, unnecessary, racist, bigoted comic that, oh, by the way, was not funny. He has he drew a picture of Serena Williams as big as Medea as big as Medea jumping up and down stomping on a tennis racket like a three year old having a temper tantrum screaming and yelling and carrying on. And oh, by the way, the woman at the, the the fellow competitor, the woman that Serena was going up against last Saturday, Japanese twenty-year-old Naomi Osaka, who, if you had to do a double take, she looked just as dark as Serena was, partially because she has Haiti in her blood. And this idiot freaking draws her up like 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 some white girl. With blonde hair. 
nice and straight like Maria Sharapova. Look her up. It's a joke. And then people wonder why. Oh, well, why does Serena Williams act act like that? Oh, why does she slam her racket down? Oh, why does she yeah, catch an attitude? Oh, why does she figure like everyone's up out there against her? Because they've been up against her since she came into the sport of tennis! They've made fun of her, they've underestimated and marginalized her and her sister and their abilities as a tennis player, as a black tennis player. They've done it over and over and over and over and over again. And you expect her, me, and the rest of her fan base to sit here and, and and be contemporary with well this behavior oh well well maybe she should have slammed her racket down or maybe she could you know just let it go just let it slide off her back I mean you gotta relax I mean you gotta act real ladylike Enough! It was a racist, disgusting depiction of Serena Williams. Case closed. She's thirty-six. If you would look at the, if you were to look at the comment, the look at the comic, it looks like she's six-year-old having a temper tantrum, jumping up and down, stomping on a racket. It's a joke. And you expect us to sit here and take this? I, I let me tell you something. It, it, and it's not just with, with the women with the Me Too generation. That's black people. We are getting sick and tired. LeBron, we are sick and tired of having to put up with the, with the with, with the garbage. We've come too far. Too many people have sacrificed their lives and have and have put it all online, all because some dopey idiot. Mark Knight in that disgusting, hot as all could be, Melbourne, Australia, to sit up there and to pick Serena Williams. Serena Williams was the reason why he has a job in the newspaper. It's because people come and they get tourist money and they attract money because he plays and wins in the Australian Open. And this idiot is sitting up here has the temerity, the audacity, and the undemocratic gall to sit up here and, 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 and has the gall to put this comic out on the on the international feed. But oh no, we can't say anything. You have to be quiet. You we have to be politically correct. We're done with that. We we were quiet long enough. We're not standing for it anymore. Whether it's Serena whether it's women in sports, whether it's black men, 
and black women in sports. We're not standing for anymore. We're done. We're tired of being undervalued, underestimated, and marginalized simply because of the color of our skin. We're not going to stand for it anymore. And you wonder why Serena may get in her feelings and go crazy. Because she has to stand up and fight against and be a good, great, phenomenal example for that one-year-old daughter of hers. And not just her. Women, black women, and black athletes all across America who look up to Serena and appreciate the goodness she's done for the black community and in the world of sports and in the sport of tennis. And she's just not going to sit by and let some idiot dope Carlos Ramos or Mark Knight make her a stati- make her a statistic. No. No. Call me what you want. I don't care. This needs to be said. Could Serena have let it roll off her back? Probably. Yes. Did she really have to act that erratic on the tennis court? Who knows? But you wonder why she does because of instances like this. And then the same people have the nerve to sit up here and say, it's not racist. Well, let me tell you something. This fits the angry black people, the angry black woman stereotype. I don't know if any of you all know that it exists or not, but it does. And that's why I'm so upset about it. Switching gears to Thursday night football. Week two of the NFL season. Begun Thursday night as my Cincinnati Bengals. Go improve themselves to a 2-0 record, winning their home opener and the Thursday night football opener by the score of 34-23 against their division rival, Baltimore Ravens. Um, 
Andy Dalton had a great game Thursday night. Completed 51, 50, excuse me, 57% of his passes, threw for 265 yards, threw four touchdowns, zero turnovers. A.J. Green had a great game as well. Five receptions, 69 yards. Three of those five receptions were all for touchdowns, all within the first half. And make this a, make this a little tidbit for you. A.J. Green is one of five players, five receivers, excuse me, with 200-plus receiving yards in a single game versus the Ravens. He has 227. I'm going to praise my Cincinnati Bengals in a minute and tell you why it's time to start taking them seriously as a potential division contender against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who tied with, yeah, that's right, tied on the road week one against the Cleveland Browns last week. I'm going to get to them later on. The Ravens are a joke. And for all you Ravens fans at school, radio, everything else, who thought with a straight face, thought that the Ravens were going to the Super Bowl, and time for you to start packing your bags for it, all neat. I, tell, I, I told them then, I'm t- telling it to you now on these airwaves. You, you need your heads examined. I don't care if Flacco threw for 336 yards. He threw the ball over 50 times. That's bound to happen when you throw the ball that many times. Okay? Andy Dalton threw for 265 and threw the ball a lot less. Not to mention Joe Flacco threw two interceptions and lost the fumble late in the game. And for all the people who think that, because I, t- I told, and the people listening to this who I talked to at the beginning of the season, I said, watch. They're going to come into Cincinnati. Cincinnati's still going to have the momentum from that New Year's Eve game where they had the lead and dominated the Ravens for the most of that game then of course it's Marvin Lewis so they bungled the lead away and on a 4th and 12 with 50 something I think 51 seconds left Andy Dalton sliced and diced that disgusting awful Ravens secondary it hasn't been anything since since the 2012 Super Bowl season when he had Bernard Pollard and Ed Reed both at safety hasn't done anything since neither has the Ravens in general as a whole I mean gee whiz I mean can you guys at least make the playoffs consistently I mean I don't care that you went nine and seven at the end of the day and then these Ravens fans oh well look at us well how many it's about the right here right now what have you done for me lately and I get it, the Bengals aren't, you know, they're not the New England Patriots. But then again, the Bengals are all the way down here. You know, Ravens, their standards are higher. The Bengals, nobody expects that much from us, which is why, you know, when we do something, it's like win a primetime game, something we never do, especially with Andy Dalton. That's why we kind of obloviate about it. 
Ravens have a higher standard. Drafted their first two picks as a franchise are Hall of Famers, Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis. And a third one's on the on the way with um Ed Reed, see if he gets in next year. Joe Joe Flacco, I'm sorry. I just, he better straighten up and fly right, because if he doesn't turn around, they got RG3 and Lamar Jackson ready to take his place. Unless he straightens up and flies right. Harbaugh, too. Been there a long time, hasn't done anything since 2012. I'm sorry. If they don't straighten it up and fly right, Bashai's going to give both of them their coup de gras out of Baltimore. Bengals, though, played exceptionally well in that game. Um, Tyler Boyd had a good game. Six receptions, 91 yards. Scored the Bengals' fourth and last touchdown in the game. Joe Mixon, who's going to be out for two to four weeks as he had orthoscopic surgery on his knee today, didn't play the whole game. But when he was in the game, he played well, as well as he did week one. Thursday night, he... Rushed the ball 21 times for 84 yards. And defense made the clutch fourth down stops twice in the game, especially late on that fourth and two. And Joe Flat again, you better get it together. I don't want to hear any now about these excuses. Well, he has to throw to a quarterback who's 5'9". Uh-uh, he's a, he's, a per, he's a professional quarterback. Making making twenty five thirty million a year, no excuses. He's a professional quarterback. We're not talking middle school or pee wee. He's professional. And if Tom Brady, who's about six two, can throw it to Chris Hogan, Wes Welker, and, and Danny Amendola, and Julian Edelman, who are, are who are no taller than five eleven. And he can do it, you can too. And when Russell Wilson, who's five eleven, throwing it to Tyler Lockett and and Jimmy Graham and Doug Baldwin, you can do it too. So I want to stop his, his, the excuses is over for the Ravens and Flacco. I mean that's period. Enough of the excuses. You not turn over the football. Act like a good quarterback. Be consistent. Drive down the field, and when it matters most, make the tough plays down the field. Throw the throw the deep ball accurately down the field, and once the fourth and two, and we need to get this first down to try to come back and beat the Bengals. We need it done. Okay, enough with the excuses for Flacco. Okay, and then people wonder why they want him out of town because people can see it already. And every single time he screws up, it's it's like, well, here we go, same old Flacco again. They they were forty seven to three at home against the Buffalo Bills. What the heck do you think was going to happen with that disgusting awful offensive line, who in a preseason game made Geno Atkins look like Gene Upshaw? Look him up. They did a horrible mistake because Nathan Peterman struggles with the forward pass and struggles. And has the physical incapability of playing the quarterback position in the sport of football. 
You don't want to throw Josh Allen out there, who stinks. I was never high on him. Wyoming, who, what? Yeah, I thought the same thing. You don't want to throw him, your franchise quarterback out there to the Wolves with that disgusting offensive line. Then again, Nathan Peterman, he, he doesn't have a talented bone in his body. So the trade shipping A.J. McCarron to Oakland made no sense. Has experience, played with my Bengals, almost completed a, co a playoff comeback in 2015 at home against the Steelers, but you know what happened there. Won some national championships at University of Alabama under Nick Saban. God knows what he's doing. He's a competent NFL quarterback. I'm so sick and tired of these Ravens fans talking talking a big game about the Bengals. The only team that AFC North can talk a big game about the Bengals is the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's it. Browns, Ravens fans, be quiet. I don't want to hear from you. Especially Ravens fans. Who 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 think who think they who you know who think they're their hot stuff, you know, because they got Ray Lewis. Get over it, okay? He's in the Hall of Fame gold jacket, bust the sitting there, statue, whole nine yards. You haven't done anything since 2012. The League of the National Football League is what have you done for me lately? And so far, they haven't done pretty much worth of anything. Outside of a few eight and eight, nine and seven seasons. Because hey, I'm looking right now. AJ Green has torched y'all ever since he came into the league in 2011. He has 53 receptions with 186 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. AJ, uh, excuse me, Andy Dalton. His career against the Ravens completed 57% of his passes, thrown for over 3,500 yards, 575 to be exact, 19 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, and are 8-6 since 2011. And the other wide receivers that joined A.J. Green with the 200-plus receiving yards in the game, Jimmy Smith of the Jacksonville Jaguars, 291, look him up. Isaac Bruce, greatest show on turf, look him up, 229. And Odell Beckham Jr., 222. And the greatest receiver in the game right now, the best receiver in the game, Antonio Brown, AB84, with 213. I don't want to hear from any Ravens fans. You need to make the playoffs, you need to have a decent run. Or else, Harbaugh, Flacco, so long, farewell. Coup de gras, good night. Couple other things looking back on week two that popped out to me. Sam Darnold played well on Monday Night Football on the road against the Detroit Lions. Completed 76% of his passes through for 198, two touchdowns, threw an interception, pick six, just in the beginning of the game, which. A great job by him bouncing back from that. I mean, just imagine your first NFL drive in first real game, Monday Night Football, pick six. It's great mental toughness by him bouncing back from that, and the Jets won the game very handedly. Um, Aaron Rodgers is unbelievable. I mean, gee whiz. I mean, going down, and he comes back, completes 66% of his passes, through for 286 and three touchdowns and no interceptions. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I mean... I don't know what else to tell you. He's the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. Not the greatest, but the, definitely the most talented. That I mean, just blows you away any single time he steps on the football field. 
and NBC with the pandering of the Aaron Rodgers. I mean, gee whiz. I mean, the Al Michaels and Collinsworth, and I love them both, but gee whiz, they made it seem like that, that Aaron Rodgers, you know, fought in the Battle of Armageddon and came back and had with the leg amputated, came back and played the second half. Okay, relax. He's done this before. He's he's played well on one leg. You know, do I have to bring up 2000, 2014 and, and the 2015 playoffs where he basically battled through the through the entire playoffs all the way up to the doorstep of the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship game and almost got there if it hadn't been for that disgusting, awful embarrassment of a defense that is the Green Bay Packers defense and Devin Bostic for not letting the ball hit him square in the face mask on the onside kick. Aaron Rodgers would have been another Super Bowl. And he did that on one knee, on one leg. And that was a significant injury that he had to later get surgery on after that season, if my memory serves me correctly. So the pandering of Aaron Rodgers that this is, you know, Bart Starr in the ice bowl. I mean, gee, me Christmas. Be quiet, will you please? I mean, this pandering, gee, he's done it before. My goodness gracious! I mean, y'all gotta, y'all gotta get over this. I mean, he's done it before. He's Aaron Rodgers. What do you, what do you think he is? Nathan Peterman, Jake Cutler, Tony Romo? 